Hello and welcome to today's episode of Natural Health with CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Sanchez. Today I'm joined by naturopathic health coach Izzy Walton. Izzy is going to be talking to us about health coaching for women's health and hormonal imbalance. She'll be explaining the common causes of hormone imbalance, dietary and lifestyle triggers, and how a health coach can support women with hormone health. Izzy is a naturopathic health coach and yoga teacher. She's passionate about supporting women with natural health tools and empowering them to make long-lasting positive change whilst delivering bespoke coaching based on naturopathic principles. Since graduating from CNM, Izzy has built her health coaching business, Nourish and Flow, offering one-to-one coaching, workshops, retreats and wellness events. She's the creator of sell-out programs on perimenopause and is often invited to speak on hormone health and health coaching at events and festivals. Izzy is a member of the Association of Naturopathic Practitioners and the UK Health Coaching Association, as well as the Yoga Alliance. Izzy's unique coaching packages often include yoga, which helps women find balance in their everyday lives. Hi, Izzy. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, hi, Michelle. It's so lovely to be here. Now, today you're going to be talking to us about health coaching for women's health and hormonal imbalance. Now, it's said that around 80% of women suffer with hormonal issues, whether that be PMS, menstrual irregularities or fertility problems. So it's certainly a topic that most women can relate to. But before we get stuck into women's health, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience as a health coach? Yes, certainly. So I'm Izzy and I work mainly with women. I think that people often work with individuals who they feel they have quite an affinity with, I suppose. So I can completely relate to a lot of the issues that I see in my practice. I've had four children of my own. So I've got to know my hormones pretty well. And, you know, I see women with a variety of health issues and lifestyle issues. And, you know, I have to say so much of it comes down to what's going on with our hormones, because this is really kind of the intricate and delicate workings of what what it is that makes us women. As a health coach, I I work with women sort of either on a one-to-one basis. Uh, I quite often bring women into a a group program. So there is sort of wider support where that they can encourage one another to, you know, supporting making changes, which is a really wonderful and empowering process. I also work in delivering workshops and programs. And, you know, I sort of help just bring about a sort of process of empowerment so women can firstly understand and begin to sort of put the pieces together into what's going on with their symptoms and begin to sort of see the bigger picture and how it's not just possibly a medically diagnosed condition, but it could also be influenced by other factors such as the way that they're living their lives. So lifestyle really comes into play, the food that we eat, our exposure to certain toxins. There are so many reasons why our hormones can really get a bit of a hit. And I guess as a health coach, my role is to kind of ride alongside a journey with women in recognition and in support of the process that they're going through and sort of helping them make those changes. So I I obviously graduated from CNM, which was a fabulous experience. And I think just connecting with other health coaches in my environment, my community and through the work that I do, I'd say 
it's quite unique having this naturopathic lens mm-hmm. because I'd say health coaching and naturopathy are actually very closely linked in many ways because we are looking at health and the individual through a very, very similar lens. We believe in an individual's potential for healing. We're working very closely alongside sort of natural health and techniques, whole foods. You know, we're looking at the whole picture rather than a collection of symptoms. And, you know, we kind of have this understanding that disease comes from an imbalance rather than an external factor. And health coaching is really, that is what health coaching is. It's really kind of believing in someone's capacity to heal and just helping those conditions, sort of enabling those conditions in order for that healing to happen. So it's a really lovely affinity. It's something having that naturopathic understanding and the training that I did at CNM has amazingly sort of supported what it is I wanted to do with women when I graduated. So there's a really lovely close affinity there with um, sort of looking at the holistic picture and also what it is that we want to do as coaches with our clients. Absolutely. Now, thank you for explaining that. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head there is that 360 approach to health and empowering people to make those positive changes. And, you know, that's the beauty of health coaching. You know, people can see real positive changes quite quickly as well, because you're working one on one, aren't you? And and really supporting and championing them to make changes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a health coach is going to be someone who's going to be providing that support who's going to be providing the empowerment. And also we're coming from a place of zero judgment. So we sort of recognize the journey that individuals have all been on. And, you know, a lot of women are on medication. A lot of women have a group of symptoms going on in their bodies that they've had a very negative mindset about previously. So, you know, we come from a place of zero judgment and we also provide accountability. So we're here to facilitate for these women to make changes in their lives. So, you know, when things don't go quite so well as one had hopes, then we're there to sort of help, you know, just encourage what's happened along that way. We are the biggest advocate of our clients. When our clients come to see us, we believe intrinsically in their capacity to heal. So we want them to make positive, sustainable change. And we're also there to, you know, celebrate the wins and pick them up when they struggle as well. Health coaching is completely powerful and it can be transformative as well. It really can. It is amazing. Now, for those that aren't aware or not familiar with a health coach, what are some of the ways in which health coaches can help with somebody's health? One of the big processes that I go through is, first of all, probably like any health practitioner is to go through a really extensive health consult form and allow the client to sort of pick at what's gone on historically. So we're sort of looking at this 360 view, if you like, on health, which you mentioned earlier. So we're looking at the whole picture. We're looking not just diets and the foods that we eat. But we're also looking at the ways that we eat as well. You know, how we're resting and digesting. Are we eating on the go or are we eating as a family? You know, that can have a really big influence in the way the gut sort of digests food. You know, are we sitting down? Are we being mindful when we eat? And, you know, we can get like, unfortunately, a lot of women can sort of experience lots of flare ups of existing conditions when um, going through some sort of hormone imbalance, particularly if there's something like IBS tendency. A lot of women find it much harder to digest foods that they had no issues with a few years ago or previously during a time when they were actually quite, they experienced very low stress, for example. 
So we can look at making some really small goals that are quite sustainable, sort of quite easy to achieve in the beginning. And, you know, with that to sort of provide the inspiration, the guides, the education, because with education comes empowerment. I often help with things like detoxing. So if someone comes to me with clearly uh, quite a lot of already quite a toxic terrain or there are signs of autotoxemia where the bowels have been retaining toxins, then often I will invite my clients to go through a period of cleansing, which is a really wonderful nourishing process. You know, it's not a restricting time at all. It's a really wonderful way to completely nourish and nurture and um, calm the whole digestive system. Yeah, it's, it's a really wonderful process. And I think I've learned so much <laughs> just doing this work over the years as well, because, you know, the feedback I get, not everyone. And that sort of really reinforces the way I feel about natural health, because, you know, not everything works for every person. We have to sort of look at women on a very individual approach. You know, what might work for one person won't work for another. So having this really wonderful tailored approach really helps it helps kind of bring, first of all, success because we're really tailoring down a protocol that's going to work really well for your individual clients. It makes the journey so much more wonderful when you're working with a client who can actually help co-create the plan for herself. And, you know, this really drives accountability. This drives that desire to make sustainable change. And we're more likely to be committed to our goals and for change to happen if we're enjoying the process, you know. So yeah, does that make sense? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. You know, we do have that innate ability to know what's right for us, whether that be particular foods or an exercise regime. You know, some people do well on very high intensity exercise, whereas for others, it's more low impact exercise, you know, and they know what's going to work for them. And I think that's a really great explanation of how the health coaching works. It's that partnership, isn't it? You're there to support them and provide the knowledge and empower them, but they also bring their knowledge to the table to know what's going to work for them and what they can and can't fit into their lifestyle. Absolutely. And, you know, when I look at things like introducing a self-care routine, which you'd be surprised not many women do, unfortunately. Mm -hmm, I can imagine. It's really interesting to see what self-care means to different women. Self-care is the term that has been really popularized recently and I think a lot of women kind of view it slightly negatively as in oh self-care another one of those you know sort of sound bites that I hear on Instagram you know it's just having a bath (laughs) (laughs) yes that stress is is actually perhaps the biggest cause for hormone imbalance and when you find out what's going on with stress and you see what is actually happening on a biological level When we have high cortisol, which is the stress hormone that is released in the body, when we have this in overdrive in the body, we've got to remember that cortisol absolutely loves progesterone. So it's going to be stealing progesterone reserves from the body, which can create like this imbalance in the body. So we can quite easily get sort of estrogen dominance type symptoms, you know, when we have high stress. So I think sometimes explaining, you're not just experiencing stress, your hormones are getting an absolute battering because of the amount of cholesterol you've got in your body. So we need to find ways to bring that down and dial that down. How can we dial down cholesterol? And for some women, that is is having an Epsom salt bath. It could be something really introspective like journaling or 
doing it like a really mindful hobby or activity, something that they really love. For others, it could be something more active, something like dancing or something more embodied, you know, where they're actually shifting and moving. They're sort of switching up that cortisol to something like dopamine. You know, they're actually getting feel good hormones. So it's important to really recognize that each woman, and you get that very early on, it's very clear from the energy you get in your clients to know what's going to, you know, resonate with them and, you know, what's going to help keep them committed to their self-care plan. It's super, it's such a beautiful process. And I think doing the work that I do has completely cemented my personal needs that I need my own self-care. So I'm really quite sort of strict about women finding pockets of time when they can do this for themselves a little bit every day because before we know it we're back into this state of high cortisol where we're almost getting used to it and then that stress becomes chronic because we're not self-regulating so yeah for me finding that sort of individualized approach when it comes to self-care is just like one of the most important things you can do as a health coach Absolutely. And I think what you said about self-care, as soon as you mention it, a lot of women don't really understand what it is. Because as soon as you mention self-care, I don't have time to go for an hour's massage, you know, but it isn't. It's, you know, even if it's just five minutes sitting down with a cup of tea or reading a few pages from your book, there's so many ways that you can implement self-care, as you mentioned, you know, and it's what's going to work for the individual. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So just before we move on to, you know, hormone imbalance, just wanted to touch on your time at CNM on the health coach diploma. What did you enjoy most about the course and why? I loved the level of sort of just the depth of the education that we received. There is an amazing module, which is on how the body works, which kind of, you know, I touched on the influence that stress has on hormones. But until you fully know what is going on within the body, it all seems quite vague and it all seems like, well, I know that I'm stressed. I know that eating not very well is going to not be great for my health. But until you actually see it and you kind of do work and understand fully the implications of the way you live your life can have on your longevity and have on your health, then, you know, it doesn't really mean very much. So for me, just the quality of the teaching, what I particularly loved was the opportunity for us to work as coaches which I think when I did it three years ago I can't believe it's three years already it was the very final module so I'm not sure if that's still the case today but the very final module for me was actually being a coach and delivering a number of case studies and actually having that opportunity to put into practice what we'd learned so for me it felt very immersive you know it felt like I can actually visualize what it is I want to do because there are lots and lots of opportunities during the course to explore things like your niche, to explore potentially ways in which you're going to work when you graduate. And I really love that the whole sort of reminded throughout the course, you guys are going to graduate and you're going to be working as health coaches. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you, and I've done many courses along the line. I'm a real study geek, so I love to learn. And I've done various uh, online courses and mini courses on this and the other. And it's, you know, it has always been about sort of, well, what can I learn from this experience? But yeah, the CNM course is like, you guys are going to become health coaches, you know, and this is what you're going to do. So I think one of the best things I loved really was just having that opportunity to validate the fact that I was going to make a difference, that I was actually going to go into an industry that's growing, is expanding, 
we've come out of a really stressful and difficult time collectively with COVID. More and more people are looking to their health in a more serious way. And, you know, when we look at the wider picture, and I think it's something like between 80 and 90% of all patients go to see their GP with a lifestyle condition. That's when you realise, well, actually, there's some really powerful work we can do here. Because if we can relieve that burden a little bit on the doctors and on kind of mainstream medicine, if we can collect the people who are going to see their doctors because they don't know what to eat, they have weight problems, they have prediabetes, high cholesterol, they have mental health issues, you know, they're just feeling not right in themselves. If we can offer these people a space where they can come back to balance, where they can work through their own health goals, where they can empower themselves to make the changes that they need in order for them to live the long, healthy, pain-free life that they deserve and that they want for themselves, then that's unbelievably wonderful and empowering. And I just feel like the health coaching space is such an exciting world. And there are endless possibilities with what to do with this qualification when you leave as well. So it's not just working on a one-to-one basis, which I adore and is kind of like the fundamentals of my business. But there are so many other opportunities. And you can see, particularly when I've just mentioned about how we have lifestyle influencing diseases as the majority of reasons why people go to see their doctors. That's when you can see, well, actually, there's opportunities here for working in corporates, working in gyms or in studios, working in wellness events and pop-ups and things like that. So you can really see that there's a lot of value in what we do and how we're going to deliver it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, the opportunities are endless and you can take it whichever way you want to go. So as you say, one-on-ones or corporate coaching and that the industry is just growing and growing. I think it's set to kind of double in value over the next sort of 10 years or more. It's something that more people are becoming aware of. And as in the NHS, they're also recruiting health coaches to come and take that burden away from doctors, as you mentioned, because, you know, they can help with diabetes, weight management, and these types of lifestyle conditions. So yeah, it's definitely a great time to get into the industry for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't remember a time when we've had this opportunity ever. And for me, it's really validating that we are giving quite rightly natural health a space to grow. Because you know, for many, many years, we haven't really, have we? No. We've kind of been seen a little bit negatively, you know. A bit hippie. <laughs> a bit hippie-like breathing, you know, how is that going to help your health? You know, we all breathe. And just that fundamental understanding that the way you live your life is actually the way you are medicating yourself. You know, that sounds really dramatic, but Every decision you make in your life is actually going to influence everything in your life. You know, we're so connected on so many different levels. And that comes back down to that 360 approach that we mentioned earlier. Health is not just what we put in our bodies. It's, it's actually the way we live our lives. It's the people we connect with. Absolutely. It's the way we move and the way we feel, what inspires us and what motivates us and developing purpose and things like that. And I feel... Particularly, you know, coming back to hormones, a lot of women struggle here because of our primary, or I'd say many women, because of their primary role as caretakers, as mothers, or as space holders for others. 
a lot of their own personal needs get lost, which is really sad. This is one of the main factors that really influences that disturbance in their hormones. Because it's such a delicate process of chemicals, you know, we're quite unique in the way that our hormones influence us. But if we're neglecting our needs, if we're not dialing down that stress in our bodies, then that's going to get really, really overwhelming for us. And it's going to cause a whole, whole, whole sort of host of issues. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, the last two years have been very stressful for most people. So health has never been more important. And I think a lot of people um, have seen, you know, loved ones struggling or they've struggled with health issues themselves. And, you know, people are looking, actively looking for ways to improve their diet and lifestyle and overall health. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a really important point that you've just mentioned, that with that empowerment of knowing what's happening or how to make changes with your health is not just about yourself but also how can we look after others people in your family perhaps someone perhaps you live with someone who has a life affecting condition or perhaps you know someone who you feel could be making positive change and if you have that knowledge if you have that education then wow you know it's you're unstoppable you can really make a massive impact in your community or in your family's health which is wonderful It really is. It's amazing. Now let's move on to female hormonal imbalance. Now, what are some of the common hormone imbalance symptoms that you see? Yeah, so I mean, they can really range. We're looking at both physical and emotional symptoms. With emotional symptoms, very often women can feel feelings of anxiety or overwhelm, things like mood swings, brain fog, feelings of insecurity or perhaps not feeling really good in their own skin you know a lot of women who come to me are like I just don't feel like myself anymore you know I I don't know where I lost myself further down the line which is really really interesting because that's that's quite a common thing actually but also things like insomnia hormones can really impact your sleep cycle and I'd also say unfortunately like an exacerbation of any existing condition so I quite often find women who have been through a period of depression at some point in their past if their hormones are imbalanced, if they're in perimenopause, for example, which is another example of an imbalance in the hormones, they can quite often flare up. You know, they can sometimes bubble up to the surface as well. We've also got physical conditions. So, and it's really interesting because so many of these are related to the gut, aren't they? So women will experience like bloating, perhaps a bit of weight gain, particularly around the middle. This seems to be an area of concern. But also weight loss. You know, some women lose weight or have a lot of difficulty gaining weight if they have lost weight. Inflammation, aches and pains, you know, sort of feeling really achy in the mornings, perhaps, you know, really sort of achy joints and things like that. A drying of mucous membranes, so, you know, dry eyes, dry mouth, vaginal dryness, that sort of thing can occur. Sometimes skin issues. So I often get women with like itchy skin like dermatitis or something and similarly sometimes a worsening of an existing condition like eczema or psoriasis which can flare up when there is that imbalance so yeah it can it's crazy isn't it when I list all those yeah absolutely our hormones can just provoke such this huge onset of symptoms and actually I will mention because we're on the subject of symptoms but I know that when you're in the medical or the healthcare world, let's just say, the use of the word symptoms is important for us and it's helpful because it obviously means that there's an imbalance. But 
when I work with my clients, I try and not use the word symptom. I prefer to mm-hmm. use the word messaging or a signal because I feel like, again, we're wanting to empower our women. We don't want them to be scared. So by using the word symptom, I feel quite often that's quite a sort of mysterious, scary medical term where we feel disconnected from it. You know, we're like, well, a symptom, that sounds a bit, that's like what my doctor might say. And then they might shy away from it or, you know, perhaps not really give the signal the energy that it deserves so I quite often just invite them to reword that a little bit and say you know look at it as your body giving you a message your body is sending you a signal that there's an imbalance somewhere it just is for you to pay attention it's for you to take note and understand something has to happen you know a change needs to happen in order for that imbalance to be rectified I see a whole host of signals (laughs) and messaging as a result of hormone imbalance unfortunately absolutely and I love that I think that's a really good way to position it and make it more empowering for the woman definitely now what about dietary triggers and environmental factors you know what are some specific ones that cause hormonal imbalance so you have touched on stress you have touched on sleep but can we dig a bit deeper there and can you give us some examples yeah absolutely So in terms of diets, obviously, this is a key area. It's one of the main modules on the CNM health coaching course as well. And quite rightly, because we quite often look to our diet, don't we? We quite often look to types of foods that are going to be triggering us. And again, you know, we have to have this very individualized approach because some women may be fine with bread, (laughs) let's say. And some women may look seven months pregnant if they eat one slice of bread like me, (laughs) So, which is really annoying. So you have to really have that individualized approach. But I would say as a kind of generalization, obviously, we're looking at the key culprits here, aren't we? We're looking at high sugar diets. We're looking at white carby foods, looking at alcohol and caffeine and things like sensitivity to certain foods. Like I mentioned earlier, we can quite often find that we become more sensitive to certain foods or drink. And I'll I'll mention alcohol here because I I quite often hear women who are going through a period of stress or who are hormonally imbalanced or perhaps they're in perimenopause and they say things to me like, oh, Izzy, I, you know, I used to be able to drink three or four glasses of wine on a Friday night and be absolutely fine. You know, I'd feel a little bit tired, but I'd, I'd be okay. I'd be able to function the next day. But now I have one glass of wine and I am flawed, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. I hear this a lot as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, well, what is your body telling you? Your body is like really struggling to tolerate even that one glass of wine. So change needs to happen. Our tolerance can really change. The way stress happens in the body also is that it can influence really like bad cravings for high glycemic foods. So a lot of women find themselves in this sort of vicious cycle where they have lots of stress in the body. They're feeling overwhelmed. They're looking at ways to rebalance themselves. (laughs) So, you know, they're going to reach for the chocolate or the wine or, you know, the bag of crisps or something. What they're actually doing is they're responding to a stressful situation. Now, this stressful situation could be like a work deadline or it could be the kids kicking off in the kitchen or something like that. So, you know, that need for comfort is quite often food, isn't it? Or a drink or that boost of energy, that boost of dopamine. And, you know, to make things super fun for us women, (laughs) high cholesterol also lowers thyroid function. So our metabolism slows down. It will actually slow down at this point. And quite often women will gain weight and feel really fatigued. 
you know, those are the sort of key dietary triggers. And I just want to come back a little bit on the environmental factors, which I know we talked about stress, but again, you know, it's so important with how we use language in coaching because again, stress is just a word that is used so much, isn't it? And quite often it's not given the attention it so deserves. But I try and rename the stress to other words, for example. So I might say that it's overstimulation. So instead of using the word stress so much, I just quite I quite like to remind women that we are in a very, very, very overstimulated society. And this is such a key factor in disrupting hormone balance. And we've never lived such overstimulated lives, you know. What what is causing this fast-paced, kind of technology-driven women as natural multitaskers as well are kind of stretched in lots and lots of different directions. So overstimulation can also be things like overexercising, particularly cardiovascular. Overstimulation can be from blue lights on devices, in the, particularly in the evening. Um, it can be the overuse of devices. It can be a lack of sleep. It can be too much caffeine, environmental factors. It could also come from things like toxic relationships. So, you know, stress, we can sort of rename stress a little bit and make it more relatable to women to actually view, ah, okay, so stress doesn't just come from work. It also comes from the fact that I've got a really toxic friend in my friendship group who's giving, who's not very nice Mm -hmm. to me at the moment or something also coming from the fact that I check my phone 50 million times a day <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know there are toxins in my environment gosh we haven't even gone there yet that's a big one that's uh, a big one isn't it right and we are massively overstimulated and that is stress isn't it that is our body not dialing down so that has a huge influence on our hormones no absolutely I couldn't agree more and I think that's a really great way to explain that so thank you for that because it's making people relate to it isn't it yeah oh gosh I do check my phone just before I get to bed or maybe that's the reason why I can't sleep or you know they're running around constantly over scheduling themselves you know thinking that they need to say yes to everything and that's another one that I think women are guilty of aren't they yeah absolutely that is such a huge huge thing we we are natural people pleasers aren't we absolutely you know here here we go here's a really wonderful opportunity for us to set some wonderful barriers for ourselves you know some really protective barriers some some conditions you know you can take my time if I have the time not at the expense of my health and my well-being and I work with a couple of women at the moment who are in corporates like quite high powered corporate roles yeah they work in a very male environments where they seem to be the ones that get the most work because they know that they're going to get the work done. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can imagine. Absolutely, you know, just kind of hold back a little bit. What's the worst that could happen if you say, I can't do this right now, I have to give it to somebody else to do or consider somebody else to do it. But, you know, a lot of women kind of get stuck and feel like I have to do it because I'm the only woman in my team and it will seem really weak if I don't deliver the work. Yes. So, you know, that's just one example, but there are so, so many other examples. And, you know, these are traits that I'm sure maybe your listeners will be recognizing in themselves, but people ask you to do things or you're invited to do something and your instinct is to be helpful, right? It's, you know, you're a good person. So please that they're coming to you and you're really honored and you want to help them out. So 
So we battle sometimes with those feelings and just that need to deliver things for others, you know, but at what point is that at the cost of our own well-being? So yeah, just lots to think about, isn't it? Absolutely. And also people's tolerance to stress, like some people can take on a lot and they do a lot and they don't think that they're stressed, but compared to somebody else, you know, that is massive. But because they're so used to doing it and juggling all the balls that they don't actually realize that they're in a continual chronic stress state. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, I always like to draw parallels a little bit with sort of ancestral women or ancestral people, let's say, who obviously did experience high stress. You know, it was in many ways deeply more stressful than today in terms of surviving. But today we have stress and overstimulation literally everywhere. And the point is that stress hormones aren't bad. You know, adrenaline is need is necessary. Cortisol is needed in an acute situation. It's there to keep us alive. It's there to keep us motivated. You know, when when we have a little bout of stress because we need to accomplish something, we need to get something done, it's really valuable. We need that for our survival. We need that for productivity. We also need it to sort of help release happy hormones at the end of it. But the problem we have is that when when we can't switch off from that and we have this perpetual flooding of stress hormones, we have this constant chronic feeling of, I just know nothing but this feeling, then, you know, we're sort of escaping that time when we're meeting an acute with, let's say, a solution to how to rebalance ourselves. So if you have a temporary moment of stress, then many of us will know what we need to do in order to dial down, right? We say, right, I've just had a really stressful morning. Do you know what I need? I just need to go outside. I need to get some fresh air. I need to clear my head. I just need to take a break from this situation. So they go, they remove themselves from the situation. They do what they need to do. They have their skills. They have their toolkit. They do their breathing. They do their mindful, whatever it is that they need to do to bring themselves back to balance in a healthy way. And then they come back to the situation and that stress has been lowered. So they're no longer in that stressful place. But the problem is, if that doesn't happen, then, you know, we're living with chronic stress and we can't access the ways to rebalance ourselves because we've, we just don't know how to do it. It feels so normal. This is just the way I am. I live this way. I constantly feel stressed. I wake up in the morning, I feel breathless. You know, I can't hold food in my stomach. It goes straight through me. These are all symptoms of high, high stress people who are living with so much overstimulation and things that need doing in their lives that they feel the burden weighs on their shoulders, that they can't see a way out. And, you know, that's the real danger because obviously I've spoken about what, how that influences our hormones, but, you know, how that influences everything in their lives from their mental health to the physical symptoms that they can be experiencing in their bodies And, you know, that's a real concern because, you know, it's important to differentiate that cortisol and adrenaline are useful for certain situations. Of course, we need them. But we're in the danger zone when it's chronic, you know, when it's all the time. Absolutely. And as you said, it it can affect the whole body and you don't want to get to that point where it's never too late. But, you know, when it's, you know, you're far down the road, could have done something about it way beforehand, before you're getting lots of pain and inflammation and all these other sort of um, warning signs. You know, if you could have made some lifestyle changes or some self-care improvements a lot earlier on, you won't get to that stage. 
Yeah. And, you know, this is, again, this is the beauty of health coaching. When you're working with someone one-to-one, you really get to know somebody. And what I love is just having that contact, that point of contact with someone. So you work one-to-one with a woman and you get to know them really well. You get to know how they work, what their situation is. They have shared with you their history. They've shared with you their triggers. So you know that if something's happening in their life, then they are potentially going into that danger zone where they're going to be super, super stressed again. So the wonderful thing about health coaching is we can say things like, okay, are you recognizing what's happening here? Can you feel this in your body? Are you recognizing the signs, the signals, the symptoms? Are you recognizing that wonderful messaging that your body is giving you? It's time to make a change. It's time for you to start paying attention and to use all of these tools that we have been building up together for this is, you know, this is why we do the work because we are giving you that empowerment. We are facilitating for you to know what to do when you are recognizing those symptoms. And a lot of women sort of have aha moments when they go through. It's really interesting, but I seem to work with women where this has happened practically every single time. Everything's gone amazingly well for like three or four or five weeks. And then boom, something happens right in the middle of our coaching program, like to really, really destabilize the whole thing, like completely sabotage the whole plan. And I, at first, you know, at the beginning, at the start of my career, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know how to help these women. Like there's something's going on that they're going to lose their, their flow. They're going to abandon ship. You know, I I feel like I fail sort of thing. But now I see, I welcome these opportunities. You know, I celebrate them. And I invite women to see the value in these moments where they can really learn very deeply. Ah, so I'm putting it into practice now. Every, the work that I've been doing up until now, this is where, you know, this is where it happens. This is where the rebalancing happens because I can see it. I can feel it in my body and I know what to do. I know how to respond to it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I think that's really key, isn't it? Because things aren't going to go swimmingly all the time. So I think having those challenges present, then they know how to overcome them with your support. Um, so I think that's really good when it happens, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, just before we talk about some dietary and lifestyle recommendations, can we just touch briefly on the toxins, environmental toxins? You know, what are some key ones that can trigger hormone imbalances? Yeah, so there's like, um, I mean, I'm sure you've heard or your listeners have heard of the Dirty Dozen, the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen. These are essentially the fruit and vegetables that are the most sprayed with pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, insecticides, that sort of thing. You know, unfortunately, a lot of our fruit and veg is treated with a whole bunch of chemicals. These are really disruptive for hormone health. We often call them xenoestrogens because they just have that damaging impact and some of them can have quite high mimicking estrogen as well. So they can actually cause that imbalance by the very reason that it's there, you know, because it's a chemical and it's, it's having that very damaging effect on our hormones. Not everyone can afford organic fruit and veg, let's be completely real. But, you know, one really great thing is that the Dirty Dozen, the Clean 15 list changes every year. It's updated every year. So the experts will rewrite that list just in accordance with the fruit and veggies that are the most sprayed, let's say, the most treated every year. So if you get hold of this, then it's very easy to do a quick online search 
and find it. But it just kind of helps empower you. So, you know, you know that you don't have to buy fully everything organic. But if you are going to buy foods that are not organic, then try and avoid the ones that are right at the top of the list, for example. So fruit and veg is one big one. But also things like, you know, you come into your home and just taking a look around what is around you and how you look after your home. You know, cleaning products, unfortunately, a lot of cleaning products contain a lot of nasty chemicals. It's so easy to make your own. And I know some people go, I just don't have the time to make my own cleaning products. It's actually an absolute doddle, you know, bicarb, bit of Castile soap or citric acid for cleaning loos. Vinegar is amazing. And I'm a big fan of essential oils. So I, I like to sort of scatter essential oils in my cleaning products. But also things like what you put on your body. So shower gels, body creams, face creams, makeup, <laughs> shampoo, conditioner, anything that literally touches your body is going to go into your bloodstream. So it can seem really overwhelming when we start to do this work with women where they're like, oh my gosh, I just don't know where to begin. I've got this complete bombardment. But, you know, this is where awareness is really key. You know, we're not trying to scare people or making them fail at the first hurdle. We're bringing once more this process of empowerment so that they can make the change. And it could be that it is just, well, there's nothing that gets rid of lime scale like this particular product. And I've tried this, 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 whatever. But I'm going to make all the other changes, but it's just that this product, I'm sorry, but I can't live without it. It could be that it's making a decision like that, kind of reassessing and understanding that there are compounds in our environment because we've never lived in such a toxic environment in terms of the products that we use. But having an understanding of, you know, the effects that they can have if we completely bombard our homes with these chemicals is really powerful. So, you know, a lot of women might use one product but they'll open the windows or you know they'll use it really sparingly again it's understanding that well I know what this product does so I'm just going to be more conscious about the way I use it there are also things like I mean obviously like when you're outside pollutants such as car fumes and things like that and if you work in the city as well uh, or you go I was on the tube yesterday and I just <laughs> in London and I was like I need to have a shower as soon as I like, you just feel that grime on you don't you this is another thing. Once you start doing this work, you become really aware of it. And it's interesting because when I lived in London many, many years ago, I was working, I was in my 20s, and I just didn't really feel as aware as I do now. And I think, you know, once you start doing that really close work on toxins and on keeping yourself balanced, that's when you become really aware of the disruptors. So yeah, so our environments can really in terms of sort of physical disruptions, these can really be everywhere. They can be in like you buy a new sofa or if you buy a new rug for your kitchen or if you, you've just had your home recarpeted, you know, look out for those. Those flame retardants are really disruptive. I don't know if it's the same with you, Michelle, but there's, let's call it a big shop, a big homewares shop that you can go to and you walk around it and yeah, I won't mention any names, but there's this huge, huge, massive warehouse type shop. I know the one you mean. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I go there, I drive with the windows open because I feel really lightheaded. It's almost like, oh my gosh, I've just been walking around all these sofas and soft furnishings and my smell has become more sensitive as well. Like I, It's almost like I can smell it. It's so bizarre. But it's like a kind of awakening. Once you become really switched on to environmental toxins, then you, I'd say you're working from a place of empowerment. So you know how to sort of 
protect yourself better. And I would also say environmental factors, and I touched on this earlier, but this also comes from the energies we get from people. So, you know, if you're in a relationship that's not healthy, or if you're in a work environment that's really toxic, or if you're if you have a friend or a member of your family that's being really unkind to you, you know, that is a factor that's going to be bringing stress, inviting stress into the body. And that can also be a reason to understand, okay, my stresses are coming from a place other than, you know, I I just feel stressed today. So I would also count kind of toxicity, perhaps, you know, a little bit closer to home in, in other humans as a factor that we need to be really careful of as well. Definitely. It's like emotional toxicity, isn't it? No, absolutely. And, you know, going back to what you said about being sensitive to those smells, I mean, I get that if I go to the airport through the duty-free with all those perfumes or in a department store, I just can't deal with it because people go in there and they love it or people love air freshness. And for me, all I can think is, oh my gosh, these toxins. And they're just like filling up my lungs. You know, I just can't deal with it. But in my 20s, again, you know, years ago, you wouldn't have thought twice about it. So, It's really, really interesting once you sort of open yourself up to these things and start looking at what you're putting on your skin. Because I mean, I think the average woman puts like hundreds of chemicals on her skin every morning just through all the different products, deodorant, shampoo, conditioner, makeup, facial cream. And um, it's not until you look at these things that you realize, gosh, all of these chemicals really disrupt hormones. Yeah, absolutely. And it's staggering, isn't it, when you think about it? I mean, Most women wear makeup, you know, that's great, that's wonderful. And we're not saying don't wear makeup, we're not saying don't wear deodorants, we're not saying don't use shower gel. We are sort of inviting there to be an opportunity to look a little bit closer at what is in those products. And particularly knowing that we can make really simple changes, which could have a massive effect. I make all my family's deodorant, for example. I just use coconut oil, a little bit of bicarb, a little bit of arrowroot and a few drops of essential oil. And I've got like a really woody blend for the boys and I've got a little citrusy blend for myself. And it's so effective and it's so simple and it's cheap and we reuse the jars, you know. So we've got that sort of consciousness about not adding to a bunch of plastics on landfill and things like that. If we can tie that in really nicely as well. And also... There are some really wonderful makeup brands now that use natural products and that are cruelty free and that use natural pigments. So, you know, this really opens up Mm -hmm. so much discussion, doesn't it? Because we could look at the clothes we wear, we could look at the cars we drive. I guess what I would say here is things can seem very, very overwhelming when you start to do the work. And you can also see how working with a health coach, where we're going to be working over a long period of time, where we can really allow this information to sink in and be met in a positive way you know five minutes in your gp is not gonna we're not gonna get the same results are we if we're looking at lifestyle stuff so you know this is one of the wonderful things that we can do because we're looking at the whole picture here we're in it for the long term and it's a really valid subject environmental factors because we don't think about it we don't obviously we look at food we look at exercise but do we properly give that time to look at everything else in our environment that could be causing an imbalance? And I'm with you with the airports. I'd forgotten to mention that. Oh my gosh. Particularly like really early morning flights when you're just walking through. And the first thing is the duty free, isn't it? 
I don't know how people could spray themselves with all that stuff and Oh, I know. I know. And for anyone that's interested, we do have a really great article on fragrances and perfumes and the chemicals that are in those and another podcast. So I'll share those in the show notes for anyone that wants a bit more information. But yeah, it's it's so interesting. We didn't talk about plastics as well. So that's another big one, plastic water bottles and you know cling wrap. And that's a real endocrine disruptor, isn't it? Plastics. Absolutely. And cookware and so much and the way you store your food and I mean, you know, you'll go to the supermarket and everything is wrapped in plastic. Literally everything is is shrink wrapped or, and it's really interesting because I read an article a few years ago because I I was really curious about this and I was like, I'm just really puzzled because we are talking a lot more about plastics, but why am I still able to buy a cucumber or half a cabbage that's shrink wrapped in plastic? And it turns out that it's actually made for them. They did a study on food waste and if food is particularly cut fruit and veg, if you're buying something that is cut and it's wrapped the way that you buy it in plastic, then it has a longer mm-hmm. shelf or fridge life, let's say. It just it's meant to make some sort of impact on food waste. So that was the reason why. But unfortunately that hasn't been updated as far as I know. And everything is still wrapped in plastic and it's just crazy, isn't it? <sighs> I know, it drives me crazy. I know. And just going back to your point on the organic food, there are some really great box schemes that you can get now, um, local ones, your local farmers markets and places like that. So it doesn't always have to be, you know, expensive. It's There's a lot more choice nowadays, isn't there? And more availability. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if you can support a local farm, for example, what you're doing is okay, you're not having as much plastic, which is wonderful. But also, you know, let's come back to a naturopathic understanding here that we want to eat foods that are in season and we want to support local products. Some of that disconnection with the food we eat and the way it resonates, the way it feels in our body comes from the fact that we are eating all sorts of foods all year round because we can You know, we can buy mangoes in February. Yes. (laughs) You know, we can buy avocados all year round, that sort of thing. I mean, I absolutely shudder at the thought of not having an avocado. (laughs) (laughs) But again, it's not, we're not looking for perfection. We are looking for awareness. If we can make change, if we can support a local farm, if we can support a box scheme, again you know we're, we're coming back to this idea of really honoring the earth and and using the products that are in season and I'm a real believer that we have you know you sort of look outside your front door or you take a walk in your locality and everything that's growing around you is kind of what you need personally you know I feel like we have a real synchronicity with the foods that are provided around us that's that's a, a very key naturopathic understanding as well I'm sure you'd agree Mm -hmm, absolutely if we lived in an exotic climate if we lived in the Caribbean we'd have exotic fruits and you know perhaps we wouldn't have potatoes all year round or something like we do here in the UK (laughs) yeah so again it's bringing back that awareness to okay right you know it's March you know um what's in season that sort of thing so you know you can really do a lot of awareness building with uh trying to make your mark on the environment with reducing plastics, but also just re-educating yourself with what's in season and eating, eating according to the seasons as well, which is really good. Absolutely. And very, very key. 
Now, Izzy, what are your health coaching tips and advice for hormone health? We have covered a lot in terms of environmental factors and stress, etc. Are there any other key advice that you would give for women who want to balance hormones? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I'm going to cover a few foods that I feel are really important for particularly when we're looking at hormones. You know, making things like some small swaps, so including more portions of veggies in your day, perhaps reducing seed oils, switching from coffee and black tea to herbal, drinking more water. Remembering that sex hormones are made from cholesterol. So, you know, try and include nice sources of cholesterol. That's really, really important, particularly when we're looking to sort of soothe and nourish our hormones. So things like oily fish, organic egg yolks and wild salmon, these are really, really lovely sources of nice cholesterol that you can include and I think that's quite an important point to make as well because a lot of women who gain weight might be looking to reduce their consummation of fat in their diet you know this could be a subject for another day definitely yeah we need to rethink and perhaps educate women on cholesterol but yeah super super important for the production of hormones also things like phytoestrogenic foods, so including flax seeds, um, pumpkin seeds, things like alfalfa. I love those alfalfa sprouts. They're so easy to just like sprinkle on your food. And then fatty acids such as avocado, olives, nuts, oily fish, plenty of protein is really, really important, including gut supporting foods. Estrogen has a very close affinity in the gut's microflora. And that can affect the GI tract functioning. And, you know, if that's disrupted, that can lead to bowel discomfort, abdominal pain, you know, lots of those symptoms that we were talking about earlier. So pre and probiotic foods are really important. They're also insulin regulating foods such as quinoa and oats or whole grains. You know, these help protect and that insulin resistance, you know, which can quite often be triggered a little bit when we're looking at balancing hormones. But also, you know, moving on from dietary changes, looking at exercise goals, we haven't spoken a great deal about that. We know that there is a danger with overexercising. I think that's a really important point to make because many women will turn to exercise to combat weight gain and to combat not feeling very energized or feelings of sluggishness. But I would say, you know, cardiovascular exercise is important, but more than three hours a week is kind of going into the danger zone a little bit. Again, this can really differentiate between woman to woman. Some women who have always been incredibly active, it may be a little bit more. But for a woman who's kind of starting from not very much activity to suddenly going to six, seven hours per week, that's some trouble there. And also kind of look at where your cardiovascular movements are coming from. So it doesn't have to be running or it could be swimming. You know, it could be dancing it could be a brisk walk. It could be, I love yoga. So for me, a, like a really nice warming vinyasa is a wonderful cardiovascular exercise. And then, you know, look at how to support your muscles as well. So for me, I have lots of stairs in my house. I'm forever going up and down the stairs, <laughs> kids stuff up to their bedrooms. So, you know, I walk four flights of stairs about five times a day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Things like that, you know, taking the stairs at work, for example, you know, supporting muscle mass is really important. Equally weight bearing. I'm looking a little bit more towards perimenopause, but weight bearing exercise is really important for women just to help protect and nourish that bone density. And, you know, just reminding you that self-care is so, so, so important. You know, a self-nurturing activity is going to promote 
those wonderful feel-good hormones, you know, so oxytocin. Oxytocin naturally lowers cortisol. So as soon as we can do something lovely for ourselves, we get this reshuffling of stress and happy hormones in our body. So, you know, find the wonderful things that you love. Maybe maybe it's listening to a lovely podcast on your walk. Maybe it's reading some a wonderful, uplifting or empowering book. It could be going for a cup of tea with your bestie, you know, doing something wonderful like baking with your family or ringing an old friend, writing a letter, doing some journaling. There are so many lovely ways that we can help support that release of oxytocin. Going for a massage is wonderful, but, you know, not everyone can afford to do that. Maybe a little bit of self-massage, maybe introducing a routine where in the evening you give yourself a beautiful scalp massage, you know, and that's you do that after your shower or your bath or something. Maybe lighting a lovely candle and just turning all the lights down in your home to create a really cosy, wonderful environment. And, you know, leaving your phone downstairs on charge, not taking it upstairs with you. That's hard for some people. You know, some people are really triggered when I say that. They're like, oh, my God, my alarm. <laughs> nah, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> no, no, I know you have an alarm clock. You don't need to rely on your phone <laughs> to be your alarm because it's there by you, by your bedside. And if you can't sleep, you're awake, whatever, it's your phone you're going to reach. So, you know, trying to be quite strict about that. And it's just the habit. You know, let's remind ourselves these are habits. We don't have to be on our phone all the time. You know, we used to manage quite well without them. And, you know, finally, sleep. We cannot underestimate the, the power of sleep. You know, it's so, so, so important. A lack of sleep is going to really suppress those hunger and appetite-stimulating hormones, leptin and ghrelin. And, you know, if those are out of balance, then we're more likely to have things like cravings the next day or we're going to miss the signals. Like I get a lot of women who say, oh, I just had a rubbish night's sleep and I haven't eaten today. And it's something like half past 12. I'm like, well, you've missed those hunger cues, you know. So just the importance of sleep has on our hormones, that really has to to be sort of considered as well. Because, you know, when we have healthy sleep, and when I say healthy sleep, that really can depend on the person as well. But we're looking at about seven to eight hours, you know. Some people will fall fine after six hours, but I'd really like to draw it out a little bit more and just try and see if we can extend that to seven possibly seven and a half hours so looking at ways there's an opportunity that we can look at ways to coach someone to find healthier sleep habits often that's an evening routine isn't it but also you know some people wake in the middle of the night why are they waking in the middle of the night perhaps we can dig a little deeper there and see what's happening are they particularly overwhelmed with a problem at work or an issue in their life that's that's playing on their mind can we introduce some sort of techniques and tools that can help with moments like that so yeah I think that's pretty much it covered it all (laughs) (laughs) no that's amazing so many fantastic tips and advice there Izzy so thank you very much and covered so much I think that gives women a lot to get on with and research and start implementing And as you said, you know, it's just starting to make small changes. You know, you don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to do it overnight because it can be quite overwhelming. You know, it's just starting bit by bit with the support of a health coach. You can really get a solid plan in place and work together to create real positive change that's going to be achievable and long lasting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you made a really great point there, Michelle, meeting people where they are because we're not all in the same place on our path. And 
many women are further along than others. Others are literally, I'm so, you know, I, I feel so overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. And you mentioned one thing on food and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. You know, it's literally, you have to just have that kindness and compassion as a coach to find that place and meet them there. And just know that any change that they make is going to be felt so deeply in their body that they're going to recognize it. They're going to see it and feel it for themselves. So from there, that's when we begin to make more changes. But starting from where you are, starting with making a really positive goal for yourself on any of the factors that we've discussed today, anywhere, you know, will have a profound effect on the health of your hormones. Absolutely. And I think the point that you meant about the dietary fats earlier, a lot of women, you know, fats have been given such a bad rap over the years that, you know, lots of women are scared of those. And it's not until you educate them around fats that we need them for hormone production and, you know, you need to have a certain amount of them that people are like, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. So just even that one thing can make a change in in a woman's life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's a pity, but there is so much messaging. There's so much misinformation out there. And there's a lot of outdated information on fats as well. And as coaches, you know, we have to stay really current. We have to really stay on top of the latest studies and the research. And it is fascinating because, okay, we're in a place, I suppose, of privilege where we, it's our job to do that. So we are continually educating ourselves but, you know, people who are just every day not in this world are not going to be privy to this information or or they'll get a really sensationalist bit of information in the news, which kind of brings the whole thing down a little bit and doesn't put things into context. So it's very, very important to, to stay aware and just help support with breaking down some of those myths. And a lot of women actually are, you know, just are so time poor that they don't know where to begin with food. So providing basic support, like just a recipe ebook, for example, just to get them started is, you know, really positive. It's a really positive place to start. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and expertise with us, Izzy. It's been absolutely amazing. Now, where can listeners find more information about you and the work that you do? So I have a website. You can always contact me there. I'm on Instagram. You can find me on uh, Izzy at Nourish and Flow. I'm sort of doing bits and pieces at the moment in collaboration with some other people, other health coaches and sort of wellness spaces, which is really exciting. But I'm always happy to have a chat about coaching, about hormones. Yeah, my inbox is always open. I'm looking to provide content that's going to be of the most use to women. So I'm continually developing courses and programs. So if you want to find out about those, yeah, just reach out and uh, it'd be lovely to hear from anyone who's interested in learning more. Amazing. Thank you for that. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for listening and a big thank you to Izzy for sharing her knowledge with us. You can find all the information discussed today and more about Izzy in the show notes on the CNN website at www.cnmpodcast.com. And if you're interested in learning more about health coaching, visit CNN's health coach website at www.thehealthcoach.com. There's a great free health coaching webinar you can watch on the website. And we also have a series of open events coming up. So be sure to check those out too. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe through your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review as this helps us when creating new content.